Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing last week's spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting five to 15 minutes where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, happy Monday. Time for a spiritual tune-up. I'm Mike Dooley, and today's question goes right to the heart of the matter. Who is God? As I teach and many others, everything is of God, by God, pure God. There's nothing that can't be of God. Nothing isn't God. But God is so much more than we can comprehend with our very feeble, limited, teeny tiny human brains. This question uh, is an offshoot of that kind of conversation. Mike, thinking I am God, well done, well done, makes me feel alone. Like you, Mike, I liked to talk to God, pray to God. But then when I learned that I am God, I feel like I can't talk to God because there isn't an other. So I feel like I lost a relationship rather than gained a greater sense of self. Did you experience this? Can you address this? Gosh, my... My realization that everything is of God, by God, pure God, came um, so long ago, I almost don't remember it. I was early teens, pre-teens, just deducing, as everyone ought to, that there just cannot be something that's not of God. What would it be made of? Every mote of dust, every grain of sand, every star, every parallel universe, every thought, Good, bad, vile, disgusting, everything, everything, everything is of God. Pure God can't be less than God. There, like I said last week, there can't be, you know, God deciding to create reality and goes out to the tool shed and says, you know, let's see what I've got to work with here. It's like, what would the tool shed be made of? It's all consciousness. It's all energy. It's all divine intelligence. So you're on the right path to recognize that you are God. But of course, you are so much more than you can comprehend. A brain cannot fathom that. God is more than we can comprehend. It's been said by some of the most profound channels that God is more than God can comprehend. Splintered and eternally expanding um, to a degree that, of course, the human mind will never be able to figure out. And if you will, it's this dance of eternal becoming that is what God is. There has been this creation of dimensions and the fleeting, limited, totally bogus belief in here versus there, now versus later. Um, time, space, matter, have versus have not. 
Those are the biggest lies of all, but they make possible this magnificent adventure into the jungles of time and space, lions and tigers and bears, and unfulfilled wishes that set your soul on fire, and now you're in a journey, and during that journey, you're going to fall in love. It was this notion of creating the illusions that made possible this adventure that was completely impossible when God realizes God is everywhere always at once. There has to be this spark or sparkle of God that completely forgets that it's connected to the entire grand shebang. And by forgetting it, suddenly there's journeys and falling in love. God doesn't fall in love. God is never not in love. God doesn't have undulating emotions. God doesn't know homesickness. God does except as us. And so human emotions are something that never could have been fathomed if God had remained everywhere always at once in her knowledge of herself being everywhere always at once. And so by creating this game that's so fleeting, so harmless, nothing bad can happen in the real deep sense of reality. Everything that happens in time and space adds, makes more uh, to God. And so... By fleetingly believing in these lies, these illusions, we all of a sudden have this brand new identity. I'm Mike Dooley. Well, Mike Dooley is pure, total, unabashed God. But Mike doesn't know that. So Mike's on this journey to start feeling complete, to start feeling whole, to find love. Even though he's living in a world where he's bathed in love, he can't see it. It's like not seeing the forest for the trees. But the adventure is there. And Mike does fall in love. And somebody falls in love with Mike. And oh my gosh, Mike gets wiser. And Mike gets smarter. And Mike's having a really good time. Oh, he stubbed his toe. He fell down. He broke his heart. It's all playing out in the heart of God, if you will. So everything is all right. Everything is adding. The rest of Mike, oh, the, the whole enchilada, they all know what's going on. They know the connectedness. But... I've just simplified it in, in, in a crazy simple way. Like there's God and then there's little Mike. Well, there's grades of awareness. So there's Mike and then there's Mike's soul. And Mike's soul knows a lot more than Mike, but it's still pure Mike and both are still pure God. And then beyond Mike's soul, there's this spiritual family. And beyond the spiritual family, it's all happening in one certain dimension within which there's time and space. There's other dimensions and other realms and other parameters like time, space, and matter. It goes on forever and ever and ever. So to get to the heart of your question, while you are God, there's so much more to you than you can comprehend. It only makes sense that you would still aim to foster a relationship with your higher self, God Almighty, or your soul level, or the infinite number of angels that really and truly exist to help all of us in these sacred jungles of time and space to feel comfort, to feel grounded, to be connected to the spirit world, to our, our, our furthest reaches, if you will, within the soul family. Angels are real. They exist as do a number of, probably an infinite number of guides, different kind of guides. You heard of them? They exist. And then they, they have, oh my gosh, there's an infinite number of angels, an infinite number of every kind of guide that you can think of. And they exist solely to help us connect with the spirit. That's part of the adventure. 
uh, as has been said by many, we have fallen a little bit further than was anticipated. Um, and we are completely out of our element and we're completely reacting to life and we completely think there's life and then there's us and we've completely forgotten that we're streaming it all into place. So there's this support system. Point being, communicate with your support system. Communicate with your guardian angel. Com you know, guardian angel is very tainted in religious lore. You can pray to your guardian angel with all the lore, it's beautiful, or you can, you can strip it, if you will, in your mind of all the lore and just realize there's this loving being that is there to serve you, that adores you, that approves of you that's holding you in the palm of its hand as well. So pray to these beings, pray to the guides, pray to the sun, the moon, and the stars, pray to all these other elements and aspects of yourself, pray to God Almighty, give thanks in advance, uh, hallelujah, salvation is here, you have found your way, you're asking a great question, you're not alone, none of us are alone, we live in this world of exquisite order. And when the lights come on and we go back to normal, as my niece once said, I know it happens, mommy, when people die, they go back to normal. That's Sarah Katnack out there somewhere in the world. Um, when you go back to normal, you're just going to be like, oh my God, it was so obvious. It was so easy. I was so loved. I was so powerful. I just had to ask. Ask who? Ask the elements. Have these relationships. Pray to God. Um, you'll be a lightning rod for assistance. So uh, recognizing that you're pure God does not mean that you're all alone, okay? There's still this ability made possible through God's choice to individualize, if, we, if we'll call it like that, and, and to communicate with the different individual aspects as well as with the mothership. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Time to talk spirituality. Every day I answer your questions during these spiritual tune-ups, bringing sometimes confusing metaphysical concepts down to earth for your traction. Today's broadcast, uh, I'm answering probably four different questions that all fall kind of within the same realm. Reincarnation, uh, the eternal dance of consciousness. This is on the heels of yesterday's talk. Um, about God and the adventure into the illusions of time and space and what happens after we die. Uh, the first question, and I get this so often, I, I think I used to wonder it myself, pertaining to reincarnation. It's like, where are all the souls coming from? You know, if we, you know, keep coming back, wouldn't there always be the same number of people on planet Earth? You know, I think 100 years ago, the population was 3 billion. Now we're approaching 8 billion. Where are the souls coming from? And this stems from a, um, the concept that, that time and space are absolute. And that however many souls there are, uh, they would always be trackable on a timeline. But time and space are not absolute. They're anything but absolute. Um, there are probable realities, parallel realities, other dimensions, other planets, uh, realms where neither time and space exist, yet there's still consciousness. So to answer the question really simply, we're not living, uh, reality is not happening on a linear timeline. And therefore, the souls that are on planet Earth today could have been uh, alive 
a million years ago on a different planet or in other realms or all taking a vacation. There doesn't have to be uh, all, all souls in time and space at one time. Um, there, there's absolutely no uh, logic to tracking the number of sentient human beings and thinking that's the number of souls. The number of souls would be truly infinite. Consider in every single lifetime, there are probable forks in the road and we go down both whenever you're at, should I move here? Should I move there? And each of us thinks we're the only one and literally worlds are born with my family on this one, my family on that one. They have splits, forks in the roads. It gets really, really unwieldy. So it's a pretty simple question, but it's easy to realize it's not founded in an understanding of, uh, reality beyond time space. Now let's get to some more juicy stuff. Um, why the idea of reincarnation? Simply as awesome as life is in these hallowed jungles of time and space, you're never gonna experience it all. And the experience pertains to emotion. Okay. It's not like we all want to come here and learn to surf and then we have to play badminton and then we need to be bookworms and then we need to write screenplays. We all come here as different aspects of the divine with different interests, but our interests lead us down pathways where we can all experience love, cooperation, inclusivity, uh, the opposites of these things, patience, sacrifice. Uh, we make up all kinds of rules and have all kinds of ideas of things we'd like to experience and you might want to dabble with some male energy in a lifetime. In another incarnation, you might want female energy. In another incarnation, you might really focus your faculties on the development of adolescence. In another incarnation, you might focus um, on the options that exist generally for older, more mature souls. Uh, you might want to be left brain. You might want to be right brain. All of those things add to the spice of life. But underneath it all, we're learning about patience, love, our power, the beauty, and enjoying it. It's not just about lessons. It's about enjoying it. So that's why we come back. Uh, we can't get it all squeezed in one lifetime of 100 years or whatever it may be. Uh, in fact, we're so limited in our thinking now, we generally live less than 100 years. Whereas the physical body has been, as we have been informed by the Bible and by many fantastic channels, uh, has the capability of living indefinitely if we know how to take care of it and we don't have limiting beliefs that, that believe we have to get old, fall apart, die, and decay. So there's all kinds of really cool adventures, um, but chief among them would be the emotions. More juicy juice questions. Now it's going to get a little wilder. Oh, but first, here's another one before I talk about animals, angels, and extraterrestrials. Somebody asked yesterday, Mike, why is it so hard? Why is life so hard? Why didn't God create a mechanism so that we all know we're connected to one another? Uh, and I would reply that really God did, if you will, divine intelligence, not a God of religion, but the, the best approximation for divine intelligence to most is the word God. So the universe source energy. Um, in spite of the challenges, in spite of the heartbreaks, in spite of coronavirus, if you noticed, there's love everywhere. There's beauty everywhere. There's opportunity everywhere. In fact, 
it never stops knocking. It's not just a one-time thing. It is astounding when we do stop and smell the roses uh, to realize that we live our lives in paradise. Uh, the universe once said in a note, uh, sure, there may be a lot of real estate between where you are today and the life of your wildest dreams. But if you pay attention, you'll realize that road runs right through paradise. And, and so it does. And we are all connected. We are finding each other. We are finding the truth. We do uh, cooperate. There's symbiotic relationships amongst people, amongst nations. Peace is far more the rule than war. Um, and, and in every way, it is a beautiful thing. In spite of the challenges, in spite of the pain, globally, worldwide, all the time, if you look for it, almost everyone would choose another day of life, right? Yeah, in spite of the pain, deep down, and really not even that deep, at the surface, we know it's beautiful. We know it's a gift. And so that's why. And that's why we want to come back. And to the people who are watching right now are like, I'm not coming back. If we can come back in reincarnation, I'm not coming back. When you get to that place, on that level, and all of a sudden you've got a full deck of cards and you can see the love that was poured down upon you, that's now being poured down upon you. And you can see the camaraderie and the joy and the breakthroughs. And you see that in your next incarnation, you're going to be that much closer to actually transcending the illusions and living in ecstasy and in joy all the time because of some of the hard-earned lessons of this lifetime. Even though right now you feel like, I'm not coming back. Too many idiots. Life's too hard. I think you're going to want to come back. I really think you're going to. Nobody makes you come back. But we want to come back. Oh my God, you mean I wasn't really threatened? I wasn't really vulnerable? I was powerful all the time? I was loved everywhere? I could have believed in myself and rocked the planet? Let's go back. Yeah, I'll go back if you go back. You want to go back with me? We'll go back together. And we'll read Hay House books. Woohoo! All right, so now let's talk about the juice. Animal transmigration. Do we have the option of coming back as uh, a dog, a cat, a horse, a bat, a buffalo, I don't think it's a matter of choice. We are here now in this extraordinary adventure where our thoughts are becoming things. That was the adventure that you, a particle of God, chose to live on the razor's edge of reality creation, focusing your thoughts and soaring with your words where all things were possible. That's the track. That's the study program. That's the adventure you signed up for. And you're not going to get it in all in one short lifetime unless you ascend and you start living 10,000 years and that kind of thing, which is all possible. Um, and so when you get to the end and you're on the other side and you're marveling at the beauty and the wonder and the possibilities and, and you have recall of your other lifetimes and your best buddy from Atlantis and you're comparing notes and you're like, oh my God, let's go back. You're not going to say, but well, this time I'm going to go back as a cat. Okay, I'm going to be a cat this time. Cats are beautiful. They're pure God. But that's not the track you're on. And so I'd venture to say, and I know it was said by Seth, dictated by Jane Roberts, that we do not ever come back as animals. Nor do animals come ultimately back as human beings. Uh, they're, they're on a different track. Do animals reincarnate? Oh, yeah. It's not as yes or no as humans. Humans are more self-reflective and therefore have a whole lot more 
to experience. Animals are more in the present moment. Um, and so to bring that same essence of one particular animal back to further expand it is generally rare unless human love was involved. Okay, I talk about that in my book, The Top 10 Things Dead People Want to Tell You. Generally, animals in no way, shape, or form, not generally, they do not come back as humans, but they, they can be brought to a whole nother level in their conscious evolution because of human love. And humans never come back as animals. That, that's my view. Uh, and I know that it's not an uncommon view from some, uh, compared to some of the other channeled stuff that's out there. Um, can we choose to come back as angels? You are an angel already, but not in the way that you're speaking. And no, in the way that you're speaking, uh-uh. Angels, as we typically understand the word, truly are emissaries of the divine that chose to exist joyfully to, to uh, help and assist and to be available as guides, uh, linking humans as we know ourselves to be, uh, to our spiritual selves, our spiritual side, linking the physical world to the spiritual world. Really, there's not a big separation. It's all one, depending on perspectives and consciousness. But yet we know so well that when we're here, it just feels so physical. And we then think that the spiritual world is a little bit you know, removed from us. And so to parlay and manage that seemed and believed in separation, angels. They're very real. They're absolutely everywhere. They totally adore us. They adore you. You have some that are designed and assigned only to you, your guardian angel. Uh, not a religious angel, uh, but that's what the religions were speaking of, these divine beings who do not incarnate as human beings. Just as animals do not incarnate as human beings, angels do not incarnate. They're on a different track. They're learning different lessons. They're doing different things um, while focused on us and helping us live our lives in different ways. Um, but I'm my friend Lorna Byrne, who sees angels with her eyes, I've done some work with her, toured with her around the world. She says that angels are the ones who revere us, that we to them, to an angel, we are the radiant ones, the ones to be in awe of, the ones who are so close to God, the ones who are more godlike. Angels are, are in awe of our courage to be here, to allow ourselves to forget who we really are, to go on these adventures where our hearts can be broken, uh, as well as our bones, uh, to go where angels fear to tread. Angels don't come here as, as human beings. And by that, by in that sense, we're already, I hate to use the word above or beyond. That's just like not a good, not very helpful, but it conveys the idea that, that we are, you know, full-bodied God beings. Uh, and to come back as an angel would be like coming back as a cat. And I'm not trying to compare angels or cats. It's just a totally different track. Now, if you wanted to spend some time in between lives or even while alive in this incarnation, helping other people, being a light, you know, 
uh, overtly or on the down low in any way, shape, or form you like. Uh, and that would certainly be considered angelic. Uh, and you're probably already an angel in many regards in that way. But no, you will never be an angel like the angels are, okay? Um, you're on a different track, a, a most beautiful, sacred, treasured track. Okay, and then um, can we come back as ETs, uh, aliens? You know, the, the word alien is kind of funny and um, exclusionary and kind of, uh, and kind of, uh, kind of negative, like you know, like an alien, like it's this creature, like it's this you know tarantula with a mind like a human. Uh, you know, to them, we're aliens. You know, they're on their planet. They're like, do you think aliens exist? Oh my God, there's this place called Earth. And talk about aliens. They got two big eyes. You know, we're the weird anomalies. But as Frank told me, dictated by Tracy Farquhar, a buddy of mine, and we co-authored a book from Deep Space with Love. Frank says, even though their world and their physical being and their lives are unimaginably different than ours, unimaginably, that's pretty big, unimaginably different. The evolution of their consciousness is almost identical. So thoughts become things is what they're learning. Being in congruence with your beliefs and having empowering beliefs and rooting out limiting beliefs, cooperation, participation, love, patience, compassion. That's what they're learning on other planets. And so that is the same vein, the same track as we are now on. And so, of course, you could absolutely come back and reincarnate, but not on planet Earth, but you could come back to time and space in a different physical universe or this physical universe on a different planet, infinitely removed from planet Earth. But yet, whether you have two eyes or 12 eyes or two legs or eight legs, you're still going to be learning about the power of your thoughts to shape the circumstances of your life, the beauty of cooperation, um, you know, being of service, patience, and all of those other things. So while it sounds very crude, um, you know, ETs and aliens are not animal consciousness. They are far more, as we understand the word, far more like ourselves. Whether they look like us is irrelevant. They could be, I don't even want to go there. Um, but yes, we absolutely, I'm sure, no doubt, come back um, and experience time and space in other realms. And then there's the dolphins and uh, the octopi and the whales and uh, who knows how many countless other creatures on planet Earth that are far more sophisticated than say, you know, a dog or a cat. And boy, do I love my dog. No offense to the cat and dog lovers out there. And they um, will come back because they are far more self-reflective. I don't know which animals totally, but we all know what the smart ones are, uh, generally speaking. And that's a whole nother track. No, they don't become us and we don't become dolphins. Um, it's, a diff it's different, but far closer to who we are. Jumbo fellow adventurers, time for a spiritual tune-up. Today's question is one that has vexed the mightiest among us, how to stay focused. Uh, as some of you may know, if you get my monthly newsletter at tut.com, if you get notes from the universe, uh, this was a, a family discussion here 
not long ago, my daughter is uh, enamored with dance. She goes to a dance studio uh, almost every single day. And the instructors have said she's very talented, but she's easily distracted. And, uh, and that led to a a series of thoughts that I shared in the recent newsletter. I'll recount them very briefly right here. First, I thought, okay, we need to tell her to stop being so distracted. That's what we tell ourselves, right? That's what you tell yourself. Hey, get focused, stop being distracted. And right away, I thought that's not very, um, very much of an incentive. Stop being distracted. It's, it's negative focused. It, it reinforces that there is distraction. Um, it's just not the way to do it. So then I thought, okay, let's be positive. Instead of saying, don't be distracted, I'm going to have a talk with her about being focused. And I realized right away that that would be equally unproductive to tell a seven-year-old, be focused. Like, what is that, man? There's cool stuff happening everywhere. And that never changes our whole life. There's cool stuff happening everywhere. And I was thinking, what would help me focus? How can I get behind it? What is it I want from my dreams? What does my daughter want from dancing? She wants more dancing. And it hit me that the angle of approach to help anybody focus, seven-year-olds or 170-year-olds, is to derive what it's about, what's in it for them, what do they want, desire, desire, your burning desires will set the world on fire. Desire is one of the most powerful forces at your disposal in the entire universe. Desire is power. Desire fuels with an emotion all its own. That's what desire is. Um, a vision of the end result having been made manifest. So I told my daughter, if you want, if you want, what, what, daddy, what? I want everything. If you want more dancing, then see if you can't learn uh, the steps quicker by listening to the teacher, and then you can have the advanced class, and you can go on the weekends too. And now all of a sudden, she is peaked and motivated by something she wants. Now she can see the reward, the payoff, the reason. And this will work for you. It will work for me. I'm not saying it's always easy. To this day, uh, after many decades of working on this, I find myself um, at moments with less focus than I'd like. But this is what I do. I remind myself what's in it for me. I remind myself why I want to be focused, to, to have a higher vibration, to experience more miracles, to make more money, have more friends, do, you know, the money is the freedom thing. There's nothing unspiritual about that. Um, just, to, just to grow and expand. If I can focus on a meditation and go deeper within to access tools I would otherwise not know I have, my conscious physical waking life is just going to blow up in the most awesome way. So now suddenly it's exciting to meditate, for example. So remind yourself what's in it for you. Re tune into and surf upon your desires. Always be there like, this is going to be so great because I can do that, that, and that. Um, 
understand the process, which is what these tune-ups are all about. Your thoughts become things, not spontaneously. Hold on to a vision of an end result. You got to show up, enjoy the journey, have a glad heart, prepare to be astounded. So patience needs to be an ingredient here. And patience is easier if, as you remember in the talk yesterday and last week, we live in paradise. Enjoy the journey. Do not be so single-minded on the goal, on the dream, that all else falls to the wayside and you're just waiting, waiting, waiting in some seemingly unending loop. Okay, patience, because you understand the process. Um, traditional tools, creative visualization. Four or five minutes a day, sit and imagine your dream already came true six months ago. You're, you're with friends, you're having conversations, you've got new dreams, you're crying happy tears. Creative visualization, vision boards. Vision boards are to remind you of the fruits of your journey, where you're headed, who you really are. Images pasted on a vision board or on your refrigerator or on your bathroom mirror. Take your thoughts to desired end results in a way that presumes they're a done deal. And then, of course, affirmations, another tool in your tool chest. Creative visualizations, vision boards, and affirmations. Affirm, speak words that imply either your dream is inevitably about to come true and or it has already come true. And lastly, don't worry, be happy. However trite that may sound, you don't have to get this just right. There's a ton of wiggle room, as I often say. I gave you four steps prior to this one. You could probably blow off two of them and your dream is still going to come true. So just do your best to be focused. When you get distracted, hallelujah, it's because something really cool came along. All right, there's something else awesome in your world. It's all awesome. Don't be so single-minded, as I just said, that your whole life is on pause until the dream comes true, until you have focus. It's like, enjoy the journey. Go ahead and get distracted. Bring yourself gently back on course. Everything's going to be amazing. Jumbo fellow adventurers, happy Thursday. Time for a spiritual tune-up. Do we all have a life purpose? while living this life on earth that we're supposed to fill. And if we don't, does our spirit, do we come back? Do we reincarnate to learn more of the things that we didn't learn to finally help us fill that purpose? Uh, this is a question that is one of the most common that I have been asked in the 21 years I've been doing this. I mean, it shows up all the time and it reveals an underlying pain, uh, this feeling that I'm supposed to be doing something in which I will really bloom, but I can't find out what that thing is. I don't know who I am or why I'm here. There's a huge misunderstanding. Everyone has a purpose, a role to fill that no one else can fill. And that is being you. It's not a matter of your career, your job. It's not a matter of being service or saving the world. It's not a matter of any choice that you make in this lifetime. It's not connected to choices. It's a matter of your essence, your being. The divine, God Almighty, chose to be you. To be you. 
period, full stop. Now you've got the baton and you decide what comes next. You can't get this wrong. If you are here living and breathing, you're filling that role that no one else can fill. You're giving the divine that window into reality, peering through your eyes, hearing through your ears, feeling through your heart, things that have never been experienced before in the way you're experiencing them. You can't miss the mark. You're spot on exactly where you're supposed to be. There never should have been any of this stress about go find your thing. Too often, of course, as you probably know, we can spend so much time looking for our thing that we detach with our inner feelings, our heart. We don't even know what we want. We're off track. Other people seem fulfilled. Well, they're just doing what they want to do. And you're wondering what you should be doing. And so your whole life has seemed to slow down or go in circles. Look at it like this. I live in Orlando, Florida. Disney World is like two miles away as the crow flies. Not even that far away. It's closer. And uh, in fact, I'm going to go there really soon with the family. It's going to be a lot of fun. What's my purpose at Disney World? What would be your purpose at Disney World if it was your first time there? You just want to have a good time. That's exactly what's going on in these sacred jungles of time and space. You might want to ride Space Mountain or go to Animal Kingdom on a safari and see the lions and tigers and bears. You might want to do some roller coasters. You might want to go to the Haunted Mansion. But none of those would be your purpose or the reason you're going to Disney other than having fun. And once you got to Disney, when you see, you know, Dumbo's Ride uh, or Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, I think that's gone a long time ago. When you see other options, you're going to change your mind on the fly. And that's cool. That's so great. You're going to have other times to go. You can stay until midnight, maybe go back the next day. Exactly the same as the theme park called Planet Earth. You're here for the fun of it, for the joy of it, because you wanted to be here, because God wanted to be here as you. And now you're here. Do whatever your heart desires. You can't get it wrong. Now, what happens when we're here? Just like going to Disney World, all of a sudden we realize we could be having more fun if we could get out of our own way. Like You're thinking too hard, right? Like you've been thinking too hard. What's my purpose? And so there are lessons that we realize we have yet to master that would make the whole theme park thing a whole lot more fun. And so lessons start showing up and you're like, sign me up for that one. Oh man, I'll do that. I want to go here and go there. And if I need to learn some lessons, I'm going to do that. Now, what are these lessons in life? Golly, so simple. It's nothing complicated. Patience, cooperation, our oneness with each other. Everyone's a brother and sister. When somebody falls, we all get hurt. When somebody soars, we all soar. That doesn't mean put the needs of others before your own, but be aware. We're in this together. And the more we can work together, cooperate, multilateral, international, locally, the better time everyone's going to have. So there's lessons to learn, not foisted upon us, but because we want to have more fun. And some lessons you don't got to learn. They're not in alignment with your desire and where you're going. Other people are going to learn those. And when they learn their lessons, you're going to be better. And when you learn your lessons, you're going to be better. So the only thing you have to do from this point forward is follow your heart. 
And if you don't know what your heart wants to do anymore because you've been worried about the shoulds for too long, then do anything. As I've been saying this week, last week, we live in paradise. Just flip and do anything and make the best of it. See the beauty. See God behind the eyes that you stare into every single day. See God in the face of strangers. See the magnificence. See the brilliance. See the intelligence. See the beauty everywhere. And slowly but surely, incrementally, your heart will start singing and singing and singing. And you'll know what it is you most want to do. It's calling to you. And then one day you're going to wake up and you're going to realize you're living the life of your dreams. And it's not going to come up all of a sudden. You go to bed one night and it sucks. You wake up the next morning. Yahaha. It's going to be all of a sudden because you bared down. You were present. You did some introspection. You followed your heart to the best of your ability. You embraced the lessons that showed up as fear. And incrementally, everything changed. And one day you're like, oh my God, I wouldn't mind if this life lasted forever. It's so incredibly sweet. And the good news is, of course, it does. You're a forever being in this lifetime and or others. Uh, The eternal now is ever present. You can relive old stuff, go fast forward to the future. Uh, That's for another tune-up one day. Well, there you have it, fellow adventurer. Thanks for listening to this most recent installment of Spiritual Tune-Ups. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a few seconds to rate it on the podcast service you're using right now. It makes a big difference in helping more people find us. And of course, if you want daily reminders of life's magic and your power, please sign up at tut.com for my free Notes from the Universe emails. Tally ho!